chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so happy 34th anniversary, uh, English ministry. It's a joy to be up here with you today. Uh, as I think about this day, I think of some of the most beautiful moments as a church uh, from the moment I walked in, and that was a while ago now, back in 2002, uh, and seeing uh, the congregation then and the people that welcomed me to, it's surreal to be standing up here uh, as a pastor, uh, as one of my roles here at the church, and to be with the people here at LLC. And the Moments I think of are moments of great joy, but also moments of great pain that has forged us into who we are today as a congregation. I think about moments where we love to eat, so all the meals we've had after church and at the church, all the barbecues we've had, we're a church that loves to have fun, but also mix it in with some spiritual food as well. Think about the retreats. I was just sharing with some of our people yesterday, our life group yesterday, at one retreat you would be bashing a watermelon with some random objects, trying to scoop out the watermelon out, and then the next moment, in half an hour or so, we're on our knees crying out to God <laughs> and, and, and tearing up and, and worshiping God. And this is the church that I've come to love. These are the people I've come to enjoy this fellowship and communion with. And as we continue on in this series and as we celebrate today, what, what is it that we as a church do? Like, what is the purpose of Lord's love? Why do we exist uh, what can we offer as a church that the rest of the world can't or doesn't? And on this anniversary Sunday, we're continuing on the series on the book of Acts. And I want to speak on the idea of what it looks like to be expectant for God to act. What does it look like to be expectant uh, for God to act? Some of you know that we're expect our family's expecting our third child come April. So the closer we are to the, the due date, uh, our, our, our behavior changes, right? You become a little bit more expectant. You change the way you do things. You have that bag in the car getting ready at any time when the baby is about to arrive so you can prepare for that moment. And when you're expecting something, in this case a baby, but as a church, when we're expectant, uh, it changes our behavior in terms of how we see 
the world. And for us this morning, and for us as we go into our 34th year, into the 35th year, it's for us to be expectant. To be expectant for God to do something even better than what we're looking for. To be expectant for God to do something even better than what you're looking for. What you could ever imagine or ever hope for. Because in today's passage here in Acts 3, we see a miracle. And this miracle, these miracles in Scripture are visual acts that point to a deeper reality. That God doesn't just show off. And God doesn't just do these miracles for the sake of doing them. But they're showing a deeper reality. And it shows as well as we talk about the church. And as we talk about a community and what it means to love and care for each other. We see here that a caring community, it meets needs beyond this material concern. That as a church and as a caring community, we feed into people's souls as well. That we care about each other deeply in a very real way. And the passage today is started like this in verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And this was one of two important prayer times uh, during the service, uh, during the day. And this was the afternoon tamid. Uh, which, again, is a continual burnt offering that's happening at the temple. Uh, these instructions are found in Exodus and in Numbers, but why am I telling you this? Why is this important? It's because of this, that during these two times of the day, there are huge crowds. Huge crowds were going in and out of the temple, doing and giving their offering. So the scene, it's, it's set again. It's set. It's only important uh, here because to know that as we talk about the temple a little bit, people are walking in and out. It, the, the, the stage is set. People are walking uh, into the temple and, 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 and giving their dedication uh, to God. And we see this as well with this crowd that we've been reminded through the book of Acts and Luke, which we went through last, last year, that God, uh, through his life and through his death and resurrection and ascension, he, he, he shows it publicly what it means to be God. What it means to have this new life. This God, he doesn't work in secret. He doesn't just give revelations to one or two people and calls it a day. No, he wants to make it right out there in the public for everyone to see and to know what God is doing. God is doing this right out in the open once again in the crowds. And the scene is set that there's once again a crowd to witness this miracle. So... Now a man was lame from birth. What's this miracle? Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to a temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So again, huge crowds are going in and out. Every single day he's situated in the same place. And this man, as we notice here, he has been in this condition from birth. From birth. And this word for, uh, for uh, the word used here, translated as lame, doesn't refer to complete paralysis, but more damage to his feet, to his ankles, to his knees and hips. But whatever his conditions are, the reality is that this man, he hasn't known anything else. He hasn't known anything else. This man doesn't know, hasn't experienced what wholeness looks like. What joy looks like. Every single day he was placed at the temple court. Every day people walked past him. Every day he was sitting there reminded of his desolation. Reminded of his condition. And we learn later in Acts 4.22 that this man wasn't just there for 1 or 2 or 5, 10, 12, 20 years. He was there for 40 years plus. That's a long time. That's a long time to be in that condition. And I think about that as a church for us. That maybe you know someone like that. Maybe not physically, but spiritually, who has never known hope. 
who has never known restoration, who has never experienced love, who's never experienced mercy. And the truth is, as we go into our 34th year, into this passage, the truth is we walk by people like this every day that has yet to experience joy and hope and restoration and the good news. Every day, and the worst thing might be that they don't even know that they're in this state, that they've just accepted this to be normal, that this is just what life is all about. And maybe you know someone, or maybe this morning that that person is you, that you've come into the service, you've come into this place, you're watching online, and you're wondering, I haven't experienced this hope and this joy and this love. But the truth is that there is good news for us and for those that we're walking by and encountering every single day that we're reminded of this hope. Now what's interesting is that this man was sitting right at the temple gate called Beautiful and little is known about this gate. Uh, scholars have tried to identify exactly which one it is. But why was it beautiful? The gates to the temple, and there were nine of them, uh, were overlaid with gold, silver, and bronze. So maybe this one was extravagant in its design. But what's ironic is how a crippled man was sitting underneath the gate, covered with gold, silver, and bronze, and begging for money under this extravagant gate that was so expensive, that could have, that could have cared for him. That's what he was looking for. He was sitting underneath this. And what's even more ironic was it was the gate to the temple. And the temple wasn't just a physical building and a place. It represented God's presence. Represented God's presence. So he's sitting just outside of God's presence. You see, you follow the symbol, the symbolism? You see, you see how ironic that is that this man was sitting there for 40 years right outside of the presence of God with the people of God walking right past him underneath this gate that is beautiful, that could provide for all his means and all his ways. And for us, if we're to be expectant as a church, as we move into the next year, be expectant by noticing the opportunities around us. Opportunities around us might be the person right next to you, might be your neighbor that you live right by, might be your coworker, might be the people you walk past by on the street. But the reminder and the truth is, is this, that people are closer than you think. The people might even be closer to God physically than you think. There might be people just like this man here close to us, stuck in certain ways that you've been praying for and thinking for, maybe you're thinking they're too far gone. While they're wondering what this life is all about, thinking that there, this is all there is to life. This, this joylessness, this hopelessness, that every day is just about waking up and going to work, going to school, and that's it, and going to sleep, and, and, and that's all. And it's tragic how people would be so easy, uh, so close physically, maybe to a space that gives so much life, like our church, and not be aware of, aware of it. And so close to other Christians who have experienced the saving grace of God and haven't yet experienced this or know this. As Christians, a reminder for us as the church, as Lord's love, is that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit as you go out from this place. You carry the presence of God with you to bring this hope and to bring this joy and to bring this love. We carry Christ in us wherever it is that we go, no matter where it is that we go. So he's here sit, sitting there outside this temple asking for money or alms or offering because in the Jewish and Judaism culture, they took, uh, uh, they, they took uh, giving alms or offering to the poor very seriously. They saw it, saw it as an expression of compassion from God, that it was their duty to care for those people and God honored those actions. 
So th this is why these beggars would situate themselves there, because people were willing to give. And many people would have passed by. Maybe some would have stopped and noticed, but many more would have kept walking, right? I'm busy. I got to go in and give my offering and do my thing, and I got to go back out and go back to my shop or go back to my family or go back to whatever responsibility that they had. And this man, though, encounters Peter, encounters John, and they're walking. And it was Peter and John who deliberately in this moment give this man his attention, their attention. We read here in the text that Peter, what, he looked straight at him. He looked straight, straight at him. Peter's gaze is fixed on the man, and Peter's looking intently at the man. Notice all the words that refer to seeing or having sight from this moment forward. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. So we see here that if we are to be expectant, we are to look, to op look for opportunities every single day. That God gives us an opportunity to reach out, to impact the world, and to make a difference. But here, we, our attention is changed to who's gay, uh, what do we fix our eyes on? Uh, what do we look at? And looking into someone's eyes here, as Peter and John did, it's something powerful. It does something powerful. You may be familiar with, uh, with, with this photo here. Uh, this photo uh, was taken of Sharbat Gula in 1985, and she was 12 at the time, and it became the international symbol of war-torn Afghanistan, where, where she was then at this moment uh, living at a refugee camp in Pakistan. And this photo ended up being on a cover of National Magazine. It came to be known as the Afghan girl because as you stare at her, her eyes say so much. This is known as the modern Mona Lisa, that in this simple photo, so much is communicated. You can experience, you can feel, you can see the pain. You can see and feel the grief, the fear, and the anger in this girl's eyes. As we walk around and being expectant, don't underestimate the power of a gaze. The power of looking into a life, looking into the pain. That as a church, we're to be expectant in the face of painful experiences. That when we experience these pain, when we look into pain, whether it's you or other people around you in our church community, that out of those experiences, God is doing something great and wonderful. But only if we can stand staring at it. Only if we're brave enough and courageous enough to look and walk with one another in it. Be expectant in the face of painful experiences. Act of love here that Peter and John are about to partake in, it starts first with, first with seeing. Looking right into this man. We can't love if we can't see. If we can't see one another. And the truth is this, that all of us, whether we're in the church or we're outside the church or the people that you encounter, we all want to be seen. And we all want to be known. And the message of the gospel, the message of the Bible is that we are a people, though we are small and, fairly, and, and feeling insignificant in this world and universe, God sees. That God sees you. That God knows you. That God knows everything about you and what you're going through. And because of that, we are called to be people that see as well. That see into each other's lives. That walks with each other. And as we know from the book of Acts, it's really the work of the Spirit through the whole book. And it really is the work of the Spirit that this man was noticed by Peter and John. I'm not saying this morning that it was because of Peter and John and their holiness. 
that they're able to summon up this energy to look and to do all this thing. No, all of this is from God. Even the seeing. From the moment, the noticing, even that is from God. Because there's a lot of people walking back and forth. But why Peter and John that day? Because the spear was working powerfully in them. See, Jesus made Peter a fisher of men. That was his challenge and call to him. And no doubt God brought the needy to Peter. Yet it is also Peter. Uh, it is also a Peter who brings Jesus here. It's interesting. He brings Jesus to the people who needed him most. Peter is out and about and noticing with the power of the Spirit, seeing the needs of the people. And we ought to live in this way too, right? Instead of waiting for people as a church, instead of waiting for people to come in, we ought to be people that go out and see and pray, but God, what word do you have for me today? How do you want me to make a difference? What is your call for me today? My action, my thought, what do you want me to notice? What do you want me to see in this city and in these people that I'm with? Because this gaze, it also caused a moment of expectation from this man. Like when you look at someone, when I tell my son Cohen or tell my daughter Ryan, look at me, they're expectant, right? They're expecting for something. Is dad going to, you know, he's upset. <laughs> That's why he's saying, look at me. Or he's about to give me a snack. You know, is that what he's about to give? Like when you say look at me here, they're expecting something. And the beggar here, the lame man here became expectant. Expectant because it's Peter who also learned from Jesus. As he walked around, he told people, Jesus went around telling people, look at me. And whenever he said, look at me, something marvelous was about to happen. It wasn't punishment. It wasn't anger. It was a miracle and healing and wholeness and goodness. Whenever Jesus calls our attention, there's wholeness and goodness to it. And so it is Peter learned from Jesus. And he told the man to look at him. And maybe at that moment, he didn't even know what's going to happen next. <laughs> He's like, oh. I don't know what's, what's next. There's no, nothing else in the manual there. Uh, I just follow Jesus. Uh, and he said, told people, look at him. But here as a church, I'm reminded again for us, like let's not be afraid to look right at the issues either. To tell people to look at us and for us to look at them, not, let us not be afraid to look right at the issue. Let's not be uncomfortable in each other's pain and in each other's suffering. Let's walk with one another. Let's be with one another, to be with each other. Let's not turn away when it's most difficult, but in fact, when it's most difficult, to turn in, to turn and look at. And at the same time, let's also be a people who are expectant, on the flip side, to receive from God as well. As he asks us to set our gaze upon Christ, he asks us to look upon him. Because every single week, we gather here on Sunday, we tune in online, we... And the question for us is, do we expect to receive from God? If we're to be expectant, we need to expect to receive too. Do we expect to receive from God every time we come together? Do we have this posture where our heart is ready to receive that God has a word for us today? Whether it's through the word, whether it's through the songs, whether it's through the community and the conversations, whether it's at the Lord's table, do we expect to receive or do we just come and be like, it's just another day? Because at this moment, this man was expectant to receive. Peter and John said, look at us. And this man was expectant. And today, God is saying, look at him to fix our eyes on Christ. And we are to be expectant to receive. And verse 6 continues in this way. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, which is what the man was looking for. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Walk. 
what is it that Peter has exactly here? He starts off by saying what he doesn't have. Silver and gold, which is what you're looking for at this moment, I do not have. And Peter doesn't have what the man is looking for, but Peter can give this man better than what he is looking for. Better than what he's looking for. So it becomes clear that Peter, he heals the man in the name of Jesus, in the name of all names, the Lord of all lords, the King of all kings, the name of Jesus. But yet we read here, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which is only quoted seven times, 13 times in the New Testament. This speaks of the humility of our Lord. This Jesus Christ of Nazareth who points to his humble roots, how he is a God that walks alongside of us. He's a God that knows you and knows me. And later on in verses 12 to 16, Peter asked the crowd, why are you so surprised that this happened? Why are you so surprised? And he explains in verse 16, by faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know has been made strong. So it's clear here, it's not Peter's power, it's not John's strength, it's in the name of Jesus. It's Jesus who heals. It's Jesus who brings wholeness. It's Jesus who brings goodness. It's Jesus that changes lives around, that it is Jesus from day one till day eternity that changes lives. The beggar had no money, but money was not what he needed most. I'll say that again. The beggar had no money, but money was not what he needed most. And maybe some of us here think we need X, Y, and Z. But the question is for us is have we had Christ? Is what we're looking for really what we need? Because this God of the universe knows what we're made of and what we need most. Peter here gives far more than what money can give. Though the man didn't receive alms, he definitely did not leave disappointed. <laughs> he did not leave disappointed on that day. What Christ provided through Peter was a change, uh, through Peter for this man was a changed life entirely. Not just for a moment, but forever from that moment forward. And some of us think if we receive Christ, we're giving up so much. And maybe you are giving up a lot. But what you gain in Christ is far better than what you could ever imagine. And what you could ever hope for. Because for that moment, that man received so much more. It was so much better than what he was hoping for. And this speaks to our role as a church as well as a community. That this passage isn't just saying we don't take care of people physically. Right? You're just... You know, uh, 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 through, through means of finance, we don't take care of people that way. Or we only care about people spiritually. The passage is not talking about that. What we see here in this scripture is this, that when we care and love for people around us, we do it holistically. In all ways, Christ affects all of us spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. All of us. God changes us in all ways through the power of the Spirit. But here's the thing. We need to be reminded, we need to know, if we're to be expectant for God to move, we need to understand that God acts through people, that God acts through us, that as a church, we need to be expectant by expecting God to act through us, that you are his agents, that you are his people, that he doesn't have a plan B. He's saying from day one, I'm going to call you to proclaim the good news to the ends of the world. I'm going to call you to bring healing and wholeness to Vancouver, to your workplace, to your family, to your relationships. Not someone else, but you. You are who I called. You are who I have named. You are the one that I've given this power and strength to. So for us as a church to be expectant by expecting God to act through us. Not in a 
in a prideful way, like, oh, I'm the only one that could do this. But to embrace our calling, to hear God's voice, and to know that he uses people, that God acts through people. And you might be thinking today, well, Doug, I have a lot of weaknesses, I have a lot of concerns, you don't know what I'm going through right now, and you're right, I don't know everything. But notice how Peter, he didn't try to give from what he didn't have. He didn't try to give from what he didn't have, but what he did have. Right? If Peter focused on the money, he's like, I don't have money. Well, okay. Walked on. Then that would have been a lost opportunity. No, but if Peter, what he, didn't, what he focused on was, was on what he did have. And what he, did he have was Christ. He had Christ. It was from that moment of sharing Christ that this man changed forever. From that moment on forward. And here's a call for us, that if it is true that God uses us as people to change the world, if God uses us uh, to change the city, what if we're longer sighted in our everyday and how we see and treat others around us? What if in those opportunities where we share Christ, those little conversations that we have, what if it's in those conversations and interactions that those are the moments that spark change forever for someone? Whether we see it or not, whether we know it or not, that someone's life totally changes direction. So the call for us, for you, for, for all of us, is this focus on what God has given you. Your specific gifts, your specific talents, your specific relationships and conversations. Focus on what you can do instead of what you can't do. Don't focus on what you're limited by because we follow a limitless God anyway. <laughs> who breaks through all those barriers. But on the flip side, maybe you need to hear this as well today, that maybe... You need to be pushed a little bit. God is also saying for you today to push those boundaries for you. To be uncomfortable. It's okay. To be uncomfortable. To talk to that person even though you're scared. To say hi. To take that challenge where God's saying, hey, maybe you want to take on that position. You want to you know, pursue me in this way. And you're like, I don't know if I can do it. Well, God's just saying, you know, I'm not calling you to do the whole thing. To take the next step. Who can you talk to? Who can you be in conversation with? Maybe it's to do something totally that's not in your wheelhouse so that you grow the most out of that pain, out of that discomfort. I don't know. But we see here if Peter and John just walked on, we wouldn't have noticed this miracle. So we see here in verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He didn't just tell this man to stand up. This is a word for us again today as a church. He helped him to stand up. That's easy for us to tell someone to do something. It's difficult to actually help them to do it. For us to help them up, to give them a hand, and maybe that's your call today. Instead of telling people to do things, you're going to get down and walk with them. Take down your hands and feet and pick them up yourself. To help them walk, to help them move, to help them experience this goodness of God. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What do we notice from this interaction? For the first time in his life, this man is able to walk. Yes. But where does he walk to? Not just walk around for the sake of walking around. The first thing he does is walk into the temple. Walk into the temple. Walk into God's presence. 
walk into the wholeness, walk into the good news and the goodness that awaits him. Jesus has changed this man, man's life forever. And church, this is what it's all about. That we're not here to run a bunch of programs. We're not here to do a bunch of fun things only. We're here because we have experienced Christ and we want those to experience Christ around us. We want those, if you see here in this beautiful illustration, that experience desolation, to experience the good news, to run up and walk and praise God and go into his temple, not for the sake of packing our churches, but just for the sake of experience God and his healing work and his goodness and his peace and his joy. And I love this. This word for jump is only used three times. And the other time it's used in John 4, where Jesus answered this in John 4, 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up, jumping up, up to eternal life. That when we experience this God, this Christ, it's not only this man physically rose up, but he spiritually was raised up that changed all aspects of him. So this man is healed and he's praising God. In other words, he associates this to all the acts of God. And my prayer for us as we go into the third, fifth year and into the years beyond, may we be a church that brings Jesus to people, to be expectant of what God is doing, for those us to be unashamed of our story, for us to go and share our hurts and pains and our joys and the good news, just for us to be unashamed of the gospel and be like, hey, this is how I've experienced God. And I'm going to tell all who's willing to hear the good news because I want them to experience this, for them to encounter, to be healed, to be beckoned in. And this is the work we're a part of, where people come running into the kingdom of God and to say that I am free. I am free. Let's pray. Father, we, today, on this day, we give you thanks. And we acknowledge, God, that everything we have done and continue to do is by your grace and by your mercy. May we be a church today that's expectant for you to move. So, Lord, for those of us that are here and listening and tuning in online, God, fill us with the power of your spirit to hear your voice today, to hear that we are worthy, that we are loved, that we are cherished, and that you have a mission for us. God, may we experience you today in fresh ways. May we be expectant of all the good things that you're about to do in this church, even beyond what we could have ever imagined. So may you give us strength and courage to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.